the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. When Christ frees you by saving you, giving you a new nature that is empowered by the Spirit of God. He frees you from being a totally self-centered person so that you no longer are consumed by yourself. You're no longer bound by the world, thinking that the world revolves around you. You're not consumed by self-love, self-interest. Now you are free to think about the needs of others and to love and serve them by meeting their needs. This isn't new. This is the teaching of the entire New Testament. Jesus Christ said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That ought to be the daily goal and prayer of any follower of Christ. Yet we fall so far short of that, don't we? You're listening to Verse by Verse from Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this study on Call to Freedom in today's class. Open your Bible to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Here is Steve to begin our study. Listen to what Paul told the Romans, Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Paul told these Christians at Rome, put on Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh. You see, Paul understood. God understands. We still battle with our lusts. We still battle. But what are we supposed to do now? We make no provision for the flesh. But here's what we do in addition to that. Galatians 5, verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What Paul is saying is, we who know Christ, we die daily to our fleshly desires that want to rule over us. And every time they want to rule over us, we struggle. But by the grace of God, we say no to them as we seek to walk in the Spirit. And so to sum up, folks, what Paul is saying here in this opening statement of Galatians 5, 13, is that Christ has set us free from sin, not to sin. That's really his message. Christ has set us free from sin, not to sin. But Paul has more to say about what it means to be called to freedom in Christ. Not only does he say that those who have been set free don't use their freedom to indulge their fleshly desires, but he adds that those who have been set free do use their freedom to serve others out of love. Verse 13 continues. For we were called to freedom, brethren. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But watch this. Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Paul ends verse 13 
by telling us that not only does my freedom in Christ not give me the right to do as I please in regard to the way that I choose to live, but it also doesn't give me the right to do as I please in regards to others either. That is to say, what Paul is is saying here is that when Christ set us free, he set us free to treat others in love by serving them. This is a tremendous truth. You and I do not have the option of deciding how we're going to treat other people. It's been decided for you. We are not at liberty to choose if we're going to respond to someone by either ignoring them or neglecting them or even abusing them. Because Jesus set us free. We read here he set us free to serve others out of love for them. Folks, this is one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life. You've been set free from the bondage of the law and your own fleshly lusts only to enter into a new form of slavery. It's a slavery to others, to love them, to serve them. See, when Paul uses the the expression and the word here, serve one another, the Greek word that he uses for serve means that we are to serve others as slaves to them. Slaves. We serve them as a slave would serve a master. But we do it voluntarily, not out of obligation or being forced to do that. We want to do that. Listen, here's the profound truth that Paul is teaching. When Christ frees you by saving you, giving you a new nature that is empowered by the Spirit of God, he frees you from being a totally self-centered person so that you no longer are consumed by yourself. Now, I understand we struggle. We all struggle with being self-centered. But you're no longer consumed with it. You're no longer bound by, by the world, thinking that the world revolves around you. You're not consumed by self-love, self-interest. Now you are free to think about the needs of others and to love and serve them by meeting their needs. This isn't new. This is the teaching of the entire New Testament. The, the New Testament declares that we are to love and serve others as Jesus Christ loves and serves us. This isn't a new teaching. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said, Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Be your slave. Just as he, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to be great in God's eyes? Then be a slave, just like Jesus. In John 13, 34, after humbly washing the disciples' feet, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He said, do as I've done to you. And and he didn't mean that in every culture we wash one another's feet. That's not necessary. What he did mean is in whatever culture you live, serve one another. Humble yourself by meeting their needs, whatever those needs might be. As we saw recently in our Christmas Day message, Paul told the Philippians to follow Christ's example of being a slave to others, esteeming others more important than yourself. Jesus didn't grasp Hold on to the treasure being in the form of God. He gave it all up to be a slave. So we must never use our freedom in Christ to harm others by putting ourselves ahead of them. Rather, Paul teaches that those who have been set free from living for themselves are now out of love to put others first by being slaves to them. So, practically speaking, how does this work? What does it look like? How do we serve others? Well, Paul gives us some insight as to what God expects when he spells out 
the fruit of the Spirit. Notice Galatians 5.22. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. He's telling us we serve others by being patient with them. Patient with those who are slow to catch on. Patient with those who have trouble understanding and behaving a certain way. We are to be kind in the way that we speak to them and treat them by being good and faithful in our dealings with them. Notice chapter 6 of Galatians, verses 1 and 2. It also gives us insight as to what it means to serve others. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. What Paul is saying here is that we serve others by gently restoring a sinning brother or a sinning sister to fellowship with Christ and the body of believers, as well as coming alongside of those who are burdened and we help carry their load. We, we lighten their load by helping them. But serving one another, folks, it's not limited to what Paul writes here. It includes doing anything that would be beneficial to others, even the most menial of tasks. So don't think that being called to freedom makes you free to have others serve you. No, on the contrary, Christ has set you free from living for yourself so that you can live to serve others out of love. And he'll give you the grace to do that. That's why you have the Holy Spirit living in you. But as Paul speaks of serving one another in love, he expands this thought in verse 14 to state this. A third way that those who have been set free are to behave is they, number one, are not to use their freedom to indulge their flesh. Number two, they are to use their freedom to serve others out of love. And now, as Paul continues, he states that those who are free are to use their freedom to fulfill the law of God. Verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, having just said that we are to love others by serving them, Paul now states that we are supposed to do this because this is what the law of God teaches. And the command to love your neighbor as yourself is the very heart and soul and essence of the law. In other words, loving our neighbor means loving Anyone we come in contact with, and that, Paul says, it sums up and it fulfills the essential meaning of the law. Now, how does that work? How does, how does love sum up and fulfill the law? Listen very closely. The entire message of the Ten Commandments, which is really what Paul is talking about here, the moral elements of the law. The entire message of the Ten Commandments boils down to two things. Love God and love your fellow man. That's it. That's precisely how Jesus viewed the law. When in Matthew 22, someone asked Jesus this question, which is the greatest commandments in the law? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This, he said, is the great and foremost commandment. But he went on. They didn't ask him to, but he went on because he didn't want to leave it incomplete. He went on to say, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. As yourself, on these two commandments, he said, depend the whole law and the prophets. You want to know what the law and the prophets all about? Love God, love your fellow man. Now, what Jesus was saying then is pertaining to the ethical and the moral laws of God, 
which are summed up in the Ten Commandments, and they are fulfilled when we love God and love others. Here's how it works. When you look at the first five of the Ten Commandments, you discover that each of these laws has to do with how we treat God, how we treat God on a, a vertical level. We're, we're not to worship any other gods. We're not to make idols of any other gods. We're not to take the Lord's name in vain. We're to keep his Sabbath holy and so forth. If a person really loved God as he should, then he would keep these specific commandments so as not to sin against God. Then when you examine the rest of the Ten Commandments, the last five, we discover that each of them has to do with how we treat others on more of a horizontal level. We honor our parents, not murdering anyone, not sinning against our spouse or another person's spouse by committing adultery, not stealing from anyone, not bearing false witness against anyone, not coveting what belongs to someone. If we loved our neighbor as we should, then we would keep these specific commandments so as not to sin against them. And by neighbor, the Bible means anybody you come in contact with, not the person you live next door to. Now, this is exactly, folks, what Paul is saying here in Galatians 5. He's saying that to love one's neighbor sums up and embodies the entire law because those who love God do love others and they don't sin against them. Now, let's go a little bit deeper and consider the implications of what Paul is saying here in Galatians 5 because what he has to say ought to really jump out at you and sound very surprising to you. I guarantee you that when the Galatians first read these words, they were shocked. Shocked. And the reason I say that is because, remember, Paul has spent most of this letter trying to persuade the Galatians that they don't need the law to be saved. But now, he tells them, that as those who have been set free from being in bondage to the law, they are supposed to keep and obey the law. Now, is this a contradiction? Not at all. Not at all. Paul's message and the message of the New Testament is that we are not to try to keep the law as the means of our salvation. Because justification or salvation is only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, apart from the works of the law. But here's the balance. Once we come to faith in Christ, we are supposed to keep the moral elements of the law embodied in the Ten Commandments, and we keep them out of love for God and love for others. In other words, we are not justified by keeping the law, but we are still called to be sanctified by obeying the moral standards of the law. That's why several years ago, I did a whole series on the Ten Commandments to address this issue. This is our relationship with the law. We are to keep the moral elements of the law of God. The Ten Commandments. That's why when Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 6, he says, children, obey your parents. The basis for that, he goes right back to the law. He said, that's the commandment. Honor your father and mother. That's the commandment with a promise that your life would be long. Paul couldn't use the Ten Commandments. They're over. No, we obey the Ten Commandments. We're supposed to keep the moral elements of the law. Listen, just because Christ has set you free from the bondage of law-keeping as the means of justification doesn't mean that you ignore God's law, the moral aspects of it. God's standards of holiness never change because God's holy nature 
never changes. And so we are still commanded to keep those laws that pertain to morality and holy standards. And we keep them not because we feel obliged to under legalistic bondage. We keep them simply because we love God. He's, he's given us love for him when he saved us. And we love others. And he's given us love for them when he saved us. And here's the way Charles Spurgeon explained the Christian's relationship to the law. I quote Spurgeon because nobody that I'm aware of had quite a, a handle on the English language. Spurgeon said things unique, theologically crisp and unique. Here's what Spurgeon said about our relationship to the law. Listen closely. He wrote, what is God's law now? It's not above a Christian. It's under a Christian. Some men hold God's law like a rod in terror over Christians and say, if you sin, you'll be punished with it. It's not so. The law is under a Christian. It is for him to walk on, to be his guide, his rule, his pattern. We are not under the law, but under grace. Law, he said, is the road which guides us, not the rod which drives us, nor the spirit which actuates us. The law is good and excellent if it keep its place. Folks, we're not under the law. The law is under us to guide us. Now, so far, Paul has given us three ways that those who have been set free by the law are supposed to, free from the bondage of the law, I should say, are supposed to live. We are not to use our freedom to indulge our flesh. We are to use our freedom to love others. We are to use our freedom to fulfill the law of God. But now as Paul closes this brief section about being set free from the law, he gives us one final way that we are to behave. We are not to use our freedom to hurt other people. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Now with this statement, Paul apparently describes what was going on amongst the members of the Galatian churches. They were biting and devouring one another. In other words, they were, they were acting like wild animals going at each other in a death struggle. Now, what, what, what's going on there? Well, it only makes sense that the Galatians were a divided group of Christians. This could not be a church of great harmony. And the reason I say that is because some people there must have sided with the Judaizers and therefore, they become very legalistic as to what they ate and, and what they did and trying to live strictly by the Mosaic laws. While others, you know, became apparently bought into the error of thinking that that grace gave them a license to sin. And therefore, they had to be involved in all kinds of sinful behavior. So you had these two groups there, the legalists, those who were involved in a license to sin and, and the clashing going on. Fighting going on to the point where Paul says you're on the verge of consuming one another. It means destroying each other. Now, why does Paul mention such in-house fighting here? It's because he wants them to understand that this is what happens when Christians misuse their spiritual freedom and don't serve others out of love. They turn against each other. They attack each other. If you disagree with me, I'm going to attack you verbally. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to slander you, and I'll do it because I'm only concerned about myself. It really doesn't matter about you. I don't care what you believe. I'm going to tell you off. In other words, what Paul is saying is that those who are loveless will end up being self-centered and therefore harming one another with malicious talk and malicious actions. We have not been set free 
to speak our minds to everybody and tell them off, even if they disagree with us. We are always to speak the truth in love, even to those who are in heresy. We have never been given the liberty to speak maliciously to anybody. Never. So this is a warning to all of us not to think that our freedom in Christ gives us the freedom to harm others, to people we disagree with, because we feel that we have the freedom to assert our rights over them. Freedom in Christ means that we love others and we put their needs above ours and we respect them, even if we don't agree with them. Otherwise, we're just going to act like wild beasts fighting and devouring each other. So what have we learned this morning? We've learned that those who have been set free from the tyranny of the law, which is every Christian, that we are expected to behave in a certain manner. Freedom means that we say no to our fleshly desires. Is that what you're doing? Are you crucifying the flesh daily? Are you saying no when you're inclination to sin rises up and says, let me rule over you, you can say no. You can say no. You're not enslaved anymore. Freedom means that we serve others out of love. Are you doing that? Are you doing that without complaining? Serving others. You and I have been set free to become slaves. Slaves to God, slaves to others. Freedom means that we obey the moral elements of the law of God. Are you doing that? Freedom means that we don't hurt hurt others by the way we speak to them. I hope you're doing that. But if not, if you've been convicted of anything that the apostle writes here, then repent now. This is the opportunity to repent, forsake your sin, do something that's different. Now you know the truth. Now the question, too, is have you been set free, ever been set free, or are you still trying to get to heaven by, by being good enough? By trying to live by the Ten Commandments, maybe at times you can obey the outward aspects of the Ten Commandments, but never inwardly. All of us flounder there. All of us break the Ten Commandments in our hearts. You can be free, though. You can be free from the bondage of thinking there's just one more thing I need to do. If I can just do this, then then I'll be right with God. No, you can't. But you can be freed from this bondage. This bondage of of the impossible task of thinking you can be good enough to go to heaven. Freedom comes by trusting Jesus Christ and his precious death on the cross. He died for sinners like you. If you see that and you turn from your sin and you trust him as the sole basis for your salvation and forgiveness of sins, and the Bible says you are free. You are free then to live as those who are free. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this brief but precious word from you, for we have been set free. And we've been set free to live like this. Help us to take heed to your word. I pray, Lord, for those who need to change, that they will, that they'll repent. For those who are not saved, I pray that they'll see that they are still in bondage to not only their sin, but in bondage to the erroneous thinking that there's something they can do to, to merit your favor. Lord, open hearts, open minds, and Lord, help us to use our freedom in the way that you have purposed us to use our freedom, Lord. Help us to not indulge our flesh, but to die daily. Help us to love others, Lord, to care about others, to be, to be slaves to them without any kind of resentment. Lord, help us 
to obey the moral elements of your law. I pray for any here who might have deceived themselves into thinking that there are no no moral restrictions on their, their life. I pray that you will deeply convict them. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be careful the way we speak to others, even if we disagree with them. Even if they say nasty things to us, Lord, help us to speak the truth always in love, always in grace, firmly, never compromising, speaking truth in love. Lord, I pray that you'll take these words, may they dwell richly in us, and may they impact the way we live. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that this study has been a big help to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. If you want to listen to it again, just go to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and click on the Message Archive tab. You can also order a CD of both parts of this message by calling Verse by Verse at 727-239-0306. If you have been blessed by this and other studies, would you consider becoming a ministry partner with us? Your prayers and financial support are vitally important to the continuation of this program on this great station. Call us at 727-239-0306 or go to our website, versebyverseradio.org and click on the giving tab. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.